Club podcast. My name is James. I do stuff at the Heart Audio Cables office. I'm joined as always by Zach here and Tyler with me. Howdy. And in Boston, uh, acoustic engineer extraordinaire Patrick. Hello. Check, check. And Hannah, who helps run the show at Heart Audio Cables. You know, Patrick's an acoustic engineer with that professional check, check he just did. That's right. <laughs> I'm really not. I, I really don't really do anything. Really, What's a more appropriate per se anymore? I did What's study more appropriate? in school, but. Diagnostics uh, engineer. Signal processing. Yeah. Digital signal processing. Okay, well, let's start over. I'll, I'll try no, it again. It's fine. Um, I would <laughs> just like to say that I'm a little upset that you didn't refer to me as the talent. So. Oh, I mean, man. We've been giving it to you pretty heavily lately. Been so devoted. Yeah. Yeah. You know how there's that um, gelato in the store, Talenti? <laughs> what? Have you guys seen that? I don't know where this is going. Talenti. I've seen it, but yeah, where is it going? <laughs> Zach is the Talenti. Yeah. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Because he's pint-sized okay. and Oh, sweet. I see. I see. No, yeah. I wasn't I don't necessarily think that was going there. Just saying that, Talenti but... popped into my head. Mm-hmm. So that that can be what we call us now, Talenti. This is horrible for an audio podcast, but am I supposed to see a lamp in your shirt or is it something else? It is a lamp, yeah. Okay. Is it a lamp or two people facing each other? <laughs> you know, yeah. that's a vase and two people. <laughs> a vase. Uh, I don't know. I actually really don't know. I yeah, didn't make it, I but I, I, I can call the person who made it. And I'm pretty sure he just had a... Um, uh, just a template of this and the band name, and I think it just had like a bunch of random objects and the band name, and you know, that's one. That why worked. not? That's yeah. one that's way to do it. it yeah, you got so the lamp. Before we went live, you guys were discussing something interesting. Patrick, your thoughts on Star Wars Episode One? It's an amazing movie. It's really good, actually. It, Jesus it got panned, Christ. It got panned hard, but if you go back and watch it, it's really fun to watch. And the, especially if you compare it to the new movies, and I actually haven't even seen the last oh official Star Wars movie, but um, I saw the first two ones after George Lucas jumped ship. Um, well, yeah, don't watch the last one. Well, not, yeah, not but good. I mean, I, fe- I feel like episode one is way better than all the new movies that I saw. Um, because just like there's so much world building that, that, he actually did a really good job at in episode one. Um, anyway, I like mm-hmm. that movie a lot. He I mean, also Dar- just like Jar Jar Binks a lot. I mean, yeah. Who doesn't love Jar Jar Binks? <laughs> Amazing character. Oh, my. I, I told you Patrick is, has some questionable Star this Wars is opinions. The, yeah. You're, did you watch the prequels before you'd watch like, the original trilogy or no. something? No, no. Patrick, no. Okay. Patrick I do know that the, the internet. It's this like, weird phenomenon where like people that are kind of around my age and watch the prequels in theaters, like love them and think they're great. Mm. And, you know, uh, art is subjective, but they're like objectively wrong. Um, <laughs> but it's just I like mean, weird. I thought well, they were cool when they came out. I, yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I, I you like, don't like I think them they go better downhill. than the originals necessarily. They, right. Patrick. Or maybe you do. Yeah. Uh, yeah but I mean, uh, if honestly, if I had to pick that, I, that might be the star Wars movie that I enjoy watching the most. Um, you got but, the pod racing, yeah, dude. Pod racing—that's a fun scene. You have Darth Maul, yeah. with the dual lightsaber, which is 
one of my favorite things yeah, in all that's, the movies. That's the only good part of the movie. <laughs> uh, I think the lightsaber battles in the in the prequels are more fun to watch than the than the. Uh, I mean, they just had more modern technologies at their disposal, I guess. Well, they went away from it on the new trilogy. I didn't have my I don't have my glasses. I, I would adjust them <laughs> and tell you that in the original trilogy, they are an homage to Akira Kurosawa samurai films. That's why the fighting styles are different and they're more emotional. Um, now that I'm, I sound like a, a real dumb nerd. Uh, it sounds like someone told you that they were more emotional and that's why you think that. <laughs> that's right. Yeah, I read, I read this on a true uh, cinephiles subreddit or something. I don't know. Um, checks out. Absolutely. No, I think whatever... I pretend to be a Star Wars Star Wars snob, but legitimately, like, I like anything Star Wars anyways. So whatever part of Star Wars makes you happy, I'm just glad that you like Star Wars. That's all I'm going to say. I thought the ship <laughs> designs were really cool in the prequels as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. like, he, there, there are things he did great and things that he did terribly. I think it, it's just, you know, surrounded by yes-man jo- syndrome. Well, but, but they're better than the new ones. George Lucas should never have walked away. That was a huge mistake. He should have finished the drill. It's like... You started it. See it through, man. Like, what, you just sold it to Disney, man? Come on. Zach is a person that likes the second of the new ones, The Last I, Jedi. I love The Last Jedi, and that's, that's going to get me murdered on the internet. So, so I remember watching that's the, the one theater. where it's, there's a whole pointless standoff between the ships. It's like one of the main themes in the movie is that like some things are pointless. And it's not going to go the way you expect it to. Right? So I, I, did I get that right? Movie. Yeah. It's about, but see, what it's my about criticism, failure. Like with that new movie, they're just throwing stuff at us without any world building. You don't feel immersed. Yeah, in I do agree. Like, it, it's kind of weird that it's they do a little too too much like, in media res. Um, like Snoke is just there. And yeah, there's no no reason and for I, him to be there. I think whatever. they're gonna use like the Mandalorian to fill in the blanks, like they did the Clone Wars, because they're already starting to do some of that. Spoilers. I don't know if you've. I, I finally started Mandalorian. It. It's really good. There's there's some stuff in season two that kind of looks like they're gonna uh, show like the rise of um, Skywalker. The first, yeah, oh, that's the name of the movie. The first order and all that. So, so I remember going to see the Last Jedi in the theaters and, and loving it. I was just like not really enjoying it as much as I thought I would, and then I was like, I left and I thought about it some more. It's like. Maybe I did like it more than I thought, you know. And then I've tried to rewatch it. I have never been able to make it through a full, like, watch of the movie. I can't get through it. I don't know what the deal is. And the third one I thought was pretty strewn together. It's just kind of um, like an embarrassing effort for such a huge yet machine of a. It's brand. literally like an over like. It, a massive overcorrection in the other direction. Yeah. From The Last Jedi. And I was worried they were going to do that, and they did it. And it's kind of like the last season of Game of Thrones where you forget it even exists. Yeah. Like, I forgot that I'd watched that movie, to be honest. Um. So, is there any particular reason that we all called each other on the internet today? <laughs> <laughs> it's It's Patrick's pick this week. Was it? Oh, I didn't listen to it. What was it? Um, I'll tell you. Don't hold on. Let me pull it up. <laughs> Wait, why are you changing tabs? I gotta pull up which <laughs> album we listen to. 
Um, <laughs> so this week we listened to the album Evil by Chicone Youth. Sonic Youth Evil. To your Sonic Youth. Um, it was released was, in oh. 1986 on the label SST. Um, I think I, we all listened to the wrong band. <laughs> yeah, I, was, I listened to the uh, the Sonic Elders. They actually do have a side project called Chicone Youth. Huh. I don't know really where that name came from. It's some Italian name or something, but hmm. I just thought that was funny. Hannah told me to say that. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Sonic Youth. Yeah, Evolved by Sonic Youth. Um, this is our third album. It is considered by a lot of people to be the first album where they started to put more of... started to use traditional song structures a little bit more and move away from just noise. Uh, although we can get into it, but there's a lot of dissonance and whatnot on this album as well. You know, obviously Sonic Youth is a a very well-known and like influential influential band but this is an album that i wasn't familiar with they have such a huge back catalog that i've always kind of been like i don't know where to start mm. so i just picked this one somewhat at random um yeah i had to when i listened to this i had to go finally change my view on spotify from like the normal list view to grid view and it's the first time yeah, i realized like dig and find it yeah i didn't realize that was a feature because there was like they've like 40 releases or whatever i didn't know you could do that either yeah, it was a newbie. necessity to actually get <laughs> to get down to that album. So, James, what was your first impression of this album? Uh, I like it. It's like something about that band. Like, <laughs> to start off, like, Daydream Nation is one of my favorite albums. So, I've never I, actually made it all the way through. I need to do that someday. I just kind of like the band, right? Yeah. I mean, they're going to get a pass for me on a lot of stuff because of that. Yeah. But um, I guess listening to it, I thought like there's something magical about the way that guitar sounds. And the way, not only his voice, but her voice. To your yeah, Mesh with it. And it's just something that is like so hard to duplicate or so there's something really unique about it and something really cool about it and it's like i feel like if you if you have somebody else playing these songs in this record it, it wouldn't be very good but because it's them playing it there's something uh captivating about it <laughs> you know it's hard to explain so i enjoyed it it's probably you know not going to be like one of my favorites in their catalog but sure. i enjoyed it zach what about you uh, I went into it not anticipating to like it very much, just to be honest, as the like resident anti uh, shoegaze member of this podcast. 
but well, they're, I, they're not really considered yeah. shoegaze. I, I wouldn't say. I right. wouldn't well, maybe that's why I liked it. Because uh, <laughs> I, I actually did like, I think overall, like, I liked more of the Kim Gordon songs. Um, I agree with that, actually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it was actually pretty enjoyable to listen to. I, I think, like, my biggest problem with it is it kept making me want to listen to Doolittle by the Pixies for some reason. <laughs> um, so I had a hard time getting through this album without, like, just listening to Doolittle. So. And that's a me thing, not a Sonic U thing. I don't know. I'm just just broken. But, yeah, overall, like, I actually did enjoy this a lot. Cool. Like, if I had to pinpoint why... I liked it. I, I'm, I'm not, not entirely too sure because it, it, it sounds like that's I, an interesting statement. I, I kind of want to dig into that a little bit more because, like, I kind of feel the same way. Where it's almost like when I'm listening to this album, or, or when I go back and, and look at this album, like look at the track list, I'm almost like, uh, do I like that song? Do I like that song? Yeah, I don't know if I like that song. Like, yeah. But then when I'm just listening to the album. I really enjoy it and I think it actually flows really well from front to back, even if it yeah. doesn't necessarily have, it's like you, you can almost can't even think about this album in terms of like, this is a standout track other than maybe one. Mm-hmm. For yeah. Me. Um, yeah. I had the same exact problem, like trying to listen to it back before we just recorded. Like I was clicking on songs, thinking the same thing of like, I don't remember if I actually like this song or not mm-hmm. and like listening to it and then just, yeah, you're right. Like letting it flow in like song to song. It actually, it works. For some, it's like a it's better than the sum of its parts kind of thing you know I agree. Yeah, yeah you like need the context of the rest of the album yeah or something what's your take hannah yeah so i mean i felt similarly to you guys um you know sonic youth's a band that you know i've always been like aware of but i had never heard this album so um i did find it like easier to listen to than i expected just because you know prior to this you know, I don't know that I'd really like listen to a ton of their full albums, you know, it was more just like songs that I knew. Um, but this album, I guess, you know, cause the length wasn't like too intimidating and, um, yeah, I liked it, you know, I expected to like it, but I probably liked it more than I thought I would too. Um, and I realized that I really like Kim Gordon as a vocalist, which I didn't necessarily like no i'm not sure if props to kim gordon yeah i Mm -hmm. feel like like that style of singing was that common before she did it or did she which style because one of the things that i liked was that i thought she was like singing in a lot of different styles during yeah the album she's that like weird like that whisper yeah she's like the whisper thing and i really like that What are you, so what were you thinking of, Patrick? Um, it's a little bit of like the talk singing thing. Um, yeah. Yeah. I was going to say like almost spoken word. Yeah. Mm-hmm. At times. Yeah. yeah, I don't know. Um, but yeah, I thought that like her vocals were just like really strong and like basically like a highlight of the album for me, for sure. I, I will kind of like, like to hammer home your point. I think this album wouldn't work if it was like 45 minutes or like an hour long, but like being... Mm-hmm. being like 30 ish 35 minutes or whatever like it uh it doesn't yeah, work like there welcome. never gets to a point where you really want to like skip it or yeah you know where like it could almost at times 
but it doesn't ever quite get there. So that's good. One thing that I always used to say um, was that, so what I would, whenever I'm like noodling on guitar, um, I would always be like, oh, this, this is like my Sonic Youth idea. Like, <laughs> but like he has then like I would demos always be like, well, I it. don't actually know what they sound like, but this is just my <laughs> idea of what they sound like. Um, but after listening to this album, I think I actually am influenced by Sonic Youth. <laughs> wow. There you go. He's but, been like saying this all week as like a joke, but it is like a true statement. But it's like a weird cosmic thing because you haven't been It's a weird to thing them. to be like, you so know what? Like, I am influenced by this band <laughs> that I just listened um, to. I think my impression of them was not too far off. Right? It's like I can, like, I can vividly <laughs> picture Patrick going around the house saying that. Yeah. <laughs> I've been I am influenced. All <laughs> you, know um, you know, just that kind of repetitive stuff, open strings. Just like you know, sounds. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to describe it any better <laughs> than that. But I think that that can happen sometimes too, where you're, you feel influenced by mm-hmm. a band that you don't even necessarily love or listen to as much as you would other bands. You know? Yeah. Uh, Who is that for you, James? Oh, uh, I don't know. Hop along. <laughs> I wish. Uh, I feel like. <laughs> I want to say I'm influenced by him, but it's like all of his stuff seems so much harder and out of the realm of possibility for what mm-hmm. I can do, you know? So I said that like individual songs didn't necessarily stand out so much, but the one exception to that I thought was Shadow of a Doubt. Yeah. And I'm interested Same. in Same. Yeah. Yeah, that was my favorite track. Yeah, for sure. I like that one too. Kiss me. I also really like the lead track. So mm-hmm. I, I go think back the, and forth on that. The first three tracks, like yeah. Star Power is actually mm-hmm. pretty good too. Yep. Um, yeah, I agree. Yeah, Those first three but, are like really yeah, strong. Let's talk about Shadow of a Doubt. Because I, I want to say I was going to make a really dumb joke about saying <laughs> I was listening to Sonic Elders and their song Kiss Me in the Shadow of a Lubies. What? <laughs> <laughs> I decided to oh, not do it. Because I already used my bad joke for uh, False Widow, so... Oh, man. I'm really glad you decided not to do that, Zach. Yeah, I'm sorry. (laughs) I just like really stupid humor. But yeah, I really like the song. It's probably my favorite one on the album. Just like the way that those harmonics are just like ringing out. Yeah. It it just sounds so cool. And then like the the whisper vocals coming in. Yeah, the vocals are like creepy um, and like creepy and intimate. I like yeah, it a lot. Yeah. Did you guys watch the music video? No, I didn't. Oh, no. I didn't know there was one. Yeah, there's a music video. It's um this pretty cool. My... And like in the I'm YouTube sorry. comments, there's lots of people just talking about like, you know, them seeing it, you know, as a teenager, like on MTV and like, you know, how it just like made the you know, they're like the one weird person at their school that like listens to Sonic Youth and stuff, you know, in the eighties and like how yeah, much like the music video like meant to them and stuff. So kinda cool. Uh, what's the music that, video uh, what, what is it so it's just like show? footage of kim gordon on um not like a passenger train but like on some sort of train um but the footage is like very like distorted and or you know or kind of like a weird 
you uh-huh. know, color because of like a filter that's on or something. I'm not sure. I don't know anything about videography. Um, but it's mostly just like shots of her, like the camera, you know, is kind of spinning around at different points. Um, just pictures or like shots of her like on the train. And then partway through it um, switches to like a shot of like the band playing, but it's like still in the same distorted, like mm-hmm. color filtered style. Um, and like, that's pretty much the whole thing. I think I read about this. I, I've been reading, um, Kim Gordon's memoir. Oh yeah. Patrick really went above and beyond for, for yeah, I didn't I know we were doing that. That's good. It's because, pretty short. Okay. Um, but I, I'm not all the way through it, but, uh, it's, it's called girl in a band. If anyone wants to go find it. Um, and she talks about, you know, the history of Sonic Youth and her life, but, uh, she talked about the meaning of this song being like, or just the idea of it, like, like idea that you like just lock eyes with someone across a room and like get swept up in like some sort of like comic book version of life or something where you like start kissing them or Mm -hmm. something. So I don't know. It's not necessarily like a realistic scenario she's describing, but. I don't know exactly what the like meaning of it is, but that's the scenario yeah. that she was describing. Well, to me, it's almost more of just like a vibe. Yeah. You yeah. Know? Like it's not like literal events that happen right. or like would happen, but yeah, it's more of a vibe. Hmm. Did you guys have tracks that you didn't like? Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought like Marilyn Moore was like what? one of, did you like that one? I didn't hate I it. I did. But like, it was just kind of like, okay. Uh, green Light was one I didn't really get into. I liked Green Light, actually. Yeah, I kind of like Green Light. But kind of the whole stretch from like four to eight was like, you know, yeah, the, I mean, I know the, that's like half the album, but the like spoken word one like into of... kingdom number 19 is yeah. like, it, I'm never going to choose to listen to that on its own. I actually don't mind it when I'm listening to the album. That's literally I would, what I wrote in my notes. I yeah. don't mind that it's here, but kind of just waiting it's almost for it like to be a over. version of a skit, though. It's an intermission. Um, yeah, I, I, the way the spoken word is delivered in that one is kind of. I feel it's a bit dated at times. Who is that speaking? I'm not sure. I think it might be. It's not Thurston Moore because the part at the very end is yeah. him. I think it might be Lee Ronaldo, the other guitarist. Okay. Suddenly, all is quite quiet, and there in the sunlight on the highway. But what? What can I do? I cannot move. Everything is about broken. Blood everywhere. Mixing with oil and gas. What's moving? Let's turn my... I don't know. I did no work to try to figure it out. I was I just those... planning to ask you guys. <laughs> I had the, the same thought about like the two-thirds to three-quarter yeah. stretch of the album. Mm-hmm. I but I actually like... did like Green Light. Um... Honestly, if I had to pick a least favorite song, it might honestly be the first track. I feel like it's wow. a little bit... His the way he sings the lyrics is a little bit annoying to me, mm-hmm. um, but I don't mind it either. Yeah, 
kind of like it to start the album. There's things I like about that track too. Um, There's reasons I like some songs on this uh, because I feel like you're getting a glimpse. There's this uh, single that Burial put out a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. I think the song is called State Forest, but I could be wrong. There's mm-hmm. one of his songs yeah, that where it, right. it came out and it's like an ambient track, but it feels like you're going through this museum. Mm-hmm. of sounds that he has leaned into throughout his music making career you know mm-hmm. mm. and I, I like thought that track was so cool when i first heard it like you feel like you're going through this guy's workshop or something in audio okay. form or whatever and i sort of got that vibe on tracks here because it's like you feel like these are the building blocks for like some of like the most memorable parts of this band's mm-hmm. sound throughout their career so it's like it's interesting in that way and it's it's slightly different scenario because this is coming before some of their most memorable stuff right whereas the burial thing is like after right but you know what i mean uh i feel like i'm missing kind of some of that context because i really haven't delved into sonic youth that much but it is kind of interesting to hear like you can tell that they're like flirting with kind of more pop sound on this album mm-hmm um, cause it kind of like goes back and forth between, um, I guess the S word shoegaze and like kind of a poppier sound. I do not think of them as shoegaze. Really? At all. Like noise maybe or experimental. I'm going to call them shoegaze. It's interesting, so. Satch. <laughs> yeah. I like, I never think of them as like being an eighties band and like, I feel like I'd only yeah. mostly listen to their like releases after this one. So it was like funny when like the first song started and I was like, oh yeah, this came out yeah, the like 1984. This, the production on this album is very tainted that, by the 80s. It's very 80s, but, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. wasn't like expecting, but then I was like, why would I not expect that? It's that like first song sounds like Joy Division so much to me mm-hmm. too. Yeah. I kind of wish the garish 80s reverb was toned back a bit right yeah on the first track especially it's like pretty and if you would have asked me to guess i would have guessed that it came out earlier than 86 Mm -hmm. yeah oh 86 i was saying in in kim gordon's memoir she wrote that when she listens back to this album she's shocked by the amount of reverb reverb on it (laughs) oh really wow i was shocked by the amount of reverb that's there's a lot of reverb there's like reverb like (laughs) even on like the bass like a lot of times and it's like it's frustrating. I mean, it's, to it's a an interesting time. sound, but um, yeah, I get frustrated listening to '80s albums because there's no low end. It's like yeah. just gone. Yeah, yeah this that's one true. could use a little more low end too. But I, I wonder I what, know. why they were reluctant to do that or whatever. You know, they it seemed like they wanted everything to sound like it was in an arena. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I think part of it was that speakers and, and audio equipment that could reproduce low frequency well was not widespread um so there was less of a impetus to make a booming low end because like if people at home are just playing on speakers that can't do that then what's the point yeah and even professional speakers i think at that time probably put up way less low end and See, but now... over time we've become more and more obsessed with bass and at that time oh, it was yeah. just like it just oh. wasn't people weren't as obsessed with bass as they are now 
Um, I was going to play devil's advocate and say, like, now, you know, you've got, like, jaded musicians and sound engineers who are like, now we just mix for an iPod, iPad, iPod earbud, you know, or like a speaker this big out of a laptop. And, uh, and they're free to do that. There's not much low end on that, but I, that's only partially true, though. I mean, a lot of people listen on just like mid tier headphones that, you know, even like the Apple stock headphones have some decent bass now. So. Well, I think I mean, also wait, a lot of people about headphones, James, guys? don't get that far no. away from your mic. <laughs> I mean, I listen like almost exclusively in my car, you know, so mm. well, point- and that's just I've just got 40 inch subs. Is that a real thing? I don't know. <laughs> a point uh, Patrick made was that bass is popular. It's like it's in the zeitgeist of what mm-hmm. people are shopping for in their music. I think that's a good thing, mm-hmm. honestly. I, so. do too. I think another part of it, though, in the. I don't honestly know how much of a impact this actually had, but the more bass you want on an actual vinyl album, the wider the groove has to be. Um, Mm. And that diminishes. There's a trade-off with playing time per side. So that may have also been a factor, but I don't know if that's actually like this album is not very long. They could have had more bass on there. I'm sure with the same running time. Yeah interesting cool yeah so everyone likes star power too oh somebody when we were talking about marilyn moore there's a comment i wanted to make but it we moved on too quickly but make your comment at the beginning of that song there's um that like yell Mm -hmm. (laughs) whenever i hear that i always think of the like the the (laughs) banana boat song harry like they play at the baseball stadium you're gonna do this six foot uh, uh, the uh liturgy guy yeah it kind of oh, sounds like that, that too yeah. but um <laughs> what did you guys think of the last track bubblegum it's, so a, it's cover a cover and a bonus track um it's, yeah. it wasn't on the original release i was gonna Forget text it, you guys and ask if we were gonna talk it's about fine it. it's pro- if actually if i had to pick a least favorite it's that one i really? thought, it was I thought like, that one was i thought it was fun yeah i thought it was fun too yeah it was like them making fun of themselves or something for making right like they kind of just like sound like they're having fun Mm -hmm. when they're playing it so i like i think the reason i don't like it is because the at the end of the last song which for some reason on spotify is called madonna sean and me but everyone refers to it as expressway to your skull which is what it was called on the original album um on the cassette release it was called madonna sean and me or something but anyway on that song it has that really awesome extended ambient outro Mm-hmm. And like, I just want the album to be done there. I don't want to listen to anything else after that. So that kind of bothers me. But anyway, I don't really like when um, covers are on an album, like at the end, tacked on at the end. I feel like mm-hmm. if they are going to put it on an album, incorporate it into the well, chunk of your album as if it's like it, this, some it sort was of just, this is a bonus thing. track technically. I think. Right, right. Um, but yeah, so star power, I thought was cool. Um, especially just like the, cause I feel like, uh, Kim Gordon's vocals style on that song is mm-hmm. very different from shadow of a doubt. So I thought it was like a cool sequence to go from like shadow of a doubt to that song. Um, cause yeah. she, I feel like is singing it in just a more, 
almost like monotone, like bored way, but like very, but like she sounds like so cool, you know, like. sounds like i don't know the coolest person in school he's like over it or something i don't know which is like very different from the previous track where it's like very like emotional and like creepy sounding and yeah there's something almost like self-aware or tongue-in-cheek about the way the verses that song is sung i feel like star power um it's just like that was repetitive like star power star power right like the monotone and like the way that it's a sort of almost like almost like this uplifting type instrumental that's going with it. Mm -hmm. Um, But then it kind of devolves into the sonic youth noise thing. Yeah, it just gets messy. (laughs) As they want to do. Uh, I wrote that there was a transition at 127 that I liked, which is after they transitioned from doing start power into the first like little bit of a noisy thing but it's just like a burst of guitar noise out of nowhere so they go to this bass and drum only part Mm -hmm. and then they're just like oh yeah i like that transition but same i so this was like the first time on the album i enjoyed the bass tone because it's mm. like it's like kind of distorted. What about in Shadow dirty. of a Doubt? I don't remember the bass tone on Shadow of a Doubt. I want to keep the episode going. Uh, what did you guys think of the album cover? I like it. I think it's cool. Should I describe Maybe you want to try to go check out that lady's movies. You should describe it, yeah. So the album cover is a photograph, a black and white photograph. That's a, it's a still from a movie, actually. I, I forget the name of the movie. James might know it. But... Um, and i think it was like an art film or an arty film at least uh it's a woman on the ground like kind of kneeling sitting on the ground grimacing or sneering up at the camera looking up holding her arms up in like a menacing type pose and then there's some like swirly colorful lines on top that the film still is black and white but there's like red sonic youth written and then evol in blue below with some yellow swirly lines on there too. Um, I think the movie was like some kind of like a horror movie. Or something? I think it's like a campy horror movie mm-hmm. or, uh, like specific almost genre for it. Parodic horror movie. Maybe. Um, I think that's a word parodic, like a parody. Um, if nothing else, parodic is just fun to say, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I think it's a cool album cover. Yep. Yeah, I think it's memorable. It, it, oh, uh, speaking of Sonic Youth album covers, I have to mention this port. So you know the um, the famous Daydream Nation. That's what the album's called, right? Yeah, Daydream Nation mm-hmm. has a candle on it. Do you guys know that's a painting? It's not a, a photograph. It's a painting. I guess now that I I know I did not you told me, but I did not prior to that. I didn't know that either, and I read that in the book, and I was like, pretty. Very amazed by that. It's by this German <laughs> artist Gerhard Richter, who's like famous for doing these extremely photorealistic paintings. But it's like I don't understand how you could paint fire that realistically. Mm-hmm. I one of my opinions on this was like where some of the more expansive parts or 
where they'd kind of lose themselves in a exploring sounds and stuff would kind of lose me on, on this album. They're more entertaining for me on like hmm. Daydream Nation. You know, I felt like I enjoy those longer drawn out aspects of their sound on the later stuff. But I'm also, this is the least prepared I've ever been on any of the albums we've covered. Like I didn't get to listen to this as much as I normally do. Something mm-hmm. we pick. So I was kind of wondering like, did I just not get to listen intently enough to some of these parts of the album that I felt don't feel strongly about or not. So take my opinion with a grain of salt. I will say this is like the least an album is like sunk in for me as I've listened to it for some reason. Um, I, I don't know if it's like a weird, maybe it's even just like the production of the album that like, for some reason it, it just didn't stick with me as, as deeply as like other things have. I don't, I don't know, but it's weird that like, I still liked it for some reason. <laughs> I just don't see myself like getting too much deeper into it after mm-hmm. listening to it, you know, but I do want to check out, you know, more of their catalog. They're kind of an intimidating band to listen to. I feel like cause or to get into because they're so well known. So talked and about so, so influential and all that. They have so many releases and then you kind of feel like, okay, I'm going to listen to one record, but I'm still a poser. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and like, I, I picture every Sonic youth fan as, um, Jason Bateman from Juno, I, you know, when he's like, he has that yeah. like monologue talking about Sonic Youth. And that's for some reason when I was in high school and watched that movie, it just kind of like put me off on that band. Wow. <laughs> the truth. Comes I don't remember out. what he says. Do you remember what he actually says? I don't remember. I don't. I don't. It was just so creepy. The whole vibe. So yeah. I, I didn't yeah. like, that's all I felt. Remember watching that part and just thinking thanks, like, nobody talks thanks like Diablo this. Cody. Exactly. What songs make it onto our playlist? Shadow um, of a Doubt, definitely. Yeah, yeah. yeah probably also, Shadow of a Doubt think... and uh, Star, Power. Star Power. And then... Star Power honestly wouldn't be a pick for me, but um, I would probably. That's okay. Pick... I like I picked... Death to Our Friends. The instrumental one I think is cool, mm-hmm. um, but I understand if we don't want to put an instrumental one on the playlist. I also we like do Expressway to Your Skull, but it's really long. But it's a cool song. Yeah. And it has a really cool outro. Yeah, I like that one too. I liked that one, you know, because it's almost like happy music, mm-hmm. sad and disturbing lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, the classic juxtaposition. It's okay. We got a couple weeks to fight it out. True. Also, we <laughs> didn't talk about like Thurston Moore at all. Um, but I feel like that was. Let's talk about him. Probably. I mean, I don't have that much to say about him, but I feel like that song was like probably my favorite song that he was kind of singing. Mm hmm. Because all the other songs that I liked the most were just the Kim Gordon singing ones. I don't know how you guys felt. Is it, like, do we know, is it a popular opinion that Kim Gordon is, like, the more enjoyable of the two vocalists? I don't think so. Is it just this podcast? Okay, I didn't know if it was, like, a... (laughs) I really don't know. I I think the fans, and this is complete, basically complete speculation, but I think people like that when she sings, but it's not like, oh, it's better, you know? Um, yeah but i think they like having the both of them yeah. singing yeah they were married for a long time but yeah for um, like 30 years or something they got a divorce and that was basically the end of the band so mm. i haven't got to the part in the memoir where she actually talks about that yet but it kind of she mentions it a little bit at the beginning and it kind of seems like it colors the whole memoir it's like almost like she's can't reminisce that happily about any of the memories because it's sort of mm. like tainted by oh wow by how like how, how it ended how it or... ended um, wow. yeah 
just kind of sad. Um, I wanted to go back to Thurston more a little bit because mm-hmm. like I've listened to some of his solo work and stuff and I've always found it interesting and cool. Like I feel sort of like I, sh- I should or could be way into this dude's work and all the Sonic Youth stuff and get really into it. But like I said earlier, I always feel reluctant to or something like I missed the boat on this and it, it's so much to get into now. It's like daunting. You really missed the boat on it. I mean... It's just there whenever you, you were like to be there. a child when they were in their heyday. <laughs> well, that's what I mean. It's like, you know, I, I wasn't really there while it was happening or anything. Sure. And, yeah. and uh, it's intimidating to go back and listen to. And you sort of feel like outside looking in or something. It's hard to feel like there's a personal connect- connection to it or something mm-hmm. like that. But... All right. James, what's your, what's your once in its wrap up on this <laughs> album? I liked it. It's a cool look at their tool set developing you know and how it's gonna that's how i look at it to me it's like it's sort of like a time capsule or something for the building blocks of their sound that i really enjoy later on in their career i'm gonna still call it shoegaze even though i guess it's like post-punk and noise but i liked it a lot of people sorry to sidetrack you no no so they're very they're influenced by the genre no wave which okay not uh, one of my James, favorite genres. Describe James. Describe what no wave is. I feel like no wave. The way I would like describe it is like you know how when you're playing in your local scene and you'll go see like a band that's made up of like some old dudes and they're like they come up with ideas that are really different and weird but not that cool and they never go anywhere. Nobody ever hears about them and they die off. So like there were bands like that in and the eighties. They die. <laughs> there were bands like that in the eighties that were actually like good and and did develop a following stuff like that but the way to describe the music is like it's hard it's um it's like the music is not cool like it's active i i, I don't know it's like Maybe, trying to subvert like yeah what you would think is rock cool or, music basically but like like by having noisy parts or kind of yeah that's my understanding i'm not really actually that familiar with no wave but Kim Gordon was talking in a memoir about going to no wave shows in the eighties a lot and being influenced by that and that mm-hmm. playing a big part in like their sound. So I, I think definitely... that's kind of part of what Zach is describing as shoegaze. Um, yeah. But I think also Sonic Youth, uh, Kim Gordon said that Sonic Youth should not be called no wave because basically they're too poppy. Right. But anyway, that's I, right. that. I feel like I, I get more out of the post-punk stuff because it feels yeah. like yeah. more, it, more like... fully formed or something it, it does feel a little postponed no wave after this but I, th- I think like the reason i liked it because it was like and maybe i okay so let's not call it shoegaze and and the reason i i think that it wouldn't be is because it actually shows like some semblance of emotion in its music and that's my problem with that genre is that oh it's my like gosh that not that emotional and i, I feel like this is actually more emotional Boot him up like call. <laughs> <laughs> no you can't you uh, you invited me to this podcast, so I'm <laughs> I'm here to ruin everything. Till yeah. death do us part. Exactly. Cool. Yeah, I liked the album a lot too. Um more than I was expecting to, and I feel like I will return to it. Um if nothing else, just because now I'm like really familiar with it. And I feel like it was almost like the break or like the entry point that I needed in a way to just be like, Oh yeah, that's a band that like I know about. Did you buy end. your shirt yet? <laughs> I haven't bought my shirt yet, but I do want to get some of their vinyl. 
So what are we going to listen to next? Whose pick is it? Zach? Yep. It's my pick. So next week, we're going to listen to Burn Piano Island Burn by oh, the Blood okay. Brothers. Um, you inspired me with the Circle Takes the Square. Nice. Uh, and I actually did mention that album in that discussion. That's right. So, yeah, I remember that's right. you mentioning that. And it's it came out in 2000... Uh, let me double check because it's around that same time frame. I think it's 2003. Thanks everyone so much for listening. Uh, if you want to send any feedback or m- mostly corrections, you can reach us at uh, clubclub at heartaudiocables.com. Uh, just shoot us off a nice little email. Uh, Hannah will probably respond to it. Um, you can uh, reach us on Instagram at heartaudiocables. I will. Uh, Hannah and uh, James run that Instagram. So send all of your nice, lovely feedback there. Uh, you can also reach Patrick or Hannah at I Wish I Could Skateboard on Instagram. Um, you can reach me exclusively. Hannah doesn't run my account at the Cookie Monster Two Five Eight. So uh, just hit us up. Let us know. We're pretty cool. <laughs> Talk to us anytime you want. Um, ask us uh, why we hate your favorite band, and uh, we'll see you next week. 